You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Amen. Hey, open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Exodus. Now, we're going to be in a number of places, but we're going to start there. We always have the screen to fall back on. I get it. But there seems to be nothing quite like just a copy of God's Word, whether it be a written copy or an iPad or a phone, just something that you can have as a reference point yourself. And then also taking notes is an incredible thing to do as we gather the, you know, the wisdom and the knowledge that God is going to present to us in just a moment. But before we do that, we've been talking about being refreshed. And I made a commitment. I said, I'm going to just play a refreshing, encouraging video before every sermon. And so I'm just praying about that and randomly thinking about people that have influenced my life and have uh, encouraged me that you may not know, you may know, I don't know. But I know there's a young man by the name of Nick Voyevich. Uh, He's an evangelist. He's got an incredible testimony. It's a three-minute video. I want you to see it. It's so inspirational. Um, I- I've been following him for a long time. In fact, I tried to get him to be a speaker at our youth conference, Teen Revolution, several years ago until I found out he had a four-year waiting list uh, for his meetings. He's going to say something in the middle of the video that really, really uh, touched me. And it has to do with somebody who raised their hands in a public school, asked to come hug him, and said that she had never been told that she was loved and she was beautiful. And I just want to encourage you as you listen to that, just, that God may lay someone on your heart and your life and your family that just needs to be loved, especially by you. It makes a big difference. Hey, check this encouraging, refreshing video, and then let's open God's Word. to be born without arms or legs. I was the only one that I ever saw without limbs. My faith in Jesus Christ was sealed after seven years of wondering why, God, I was born this way. Uh, He answered me very clearly through John chapter 9. And I gave my life to Jesus at 15 after reading about how he came across a man who was born blind. And I'm like, hey, hold on a second. This looks interesting. <laughs> and no one knew why he was born that way. I'm like, perfect. So I read on, and in verse 3 of the ninth chapter, Jesus said, it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And I'm like, wow, God, if you had a plan for the blind man, you do have a plan for me. And that was the beginning of my personal relationship with Jesus. Youth groups were starting to call me. Churches were starting to call me. Opportunities were opening up everywhere for me to share my testimony. I was speaking in front of 300 sophomore public high school students. Three minutes into it, half the girls were crying. One girl in the middle of the room started weeping. She put up her hand and she said, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but can I come up there and give you a hug? In front of everyone, she came and she hugged me. She cried on my shoulder and whispered in my ear, no one's ever told me that they love me. No one's ever told me that I'm beautiful the way that I am. I couldn't believe it. It changed my life. That was when I knew I was called to be 
a worldwide evangelist. You don't know what God can do with your broken pieces until you give God your broken pieces. And I want you to know when you fall down, God's grace is sufficient. God's hand will come down and pick you up. By the grace of God, we have seen face-to-face a half a million souls say yes to Jesus and be plugged into a local church. As crazy as it sounds, our goal at Life Without Limbs Ministry is to preach to every single soul on the planet, 7 billion people. We believe that this goal is possible as the Holy Spirit is gathering an army and building up supporters to send us and accomplish this mission. Isn't that cool? How encouraging is that? Wow, yeah. Praise the Lord for a work that's being done. It's fun to clap for the work of the Lord. And, you know, I remember when I was young and I would have these enormous visions about how God could use me. And it just reminded me as he was sharing his vision and what he believes God could do. Man, I was thinking... Man, I'm praying right now, there's a young person in this room right now that's getting a vision for what God could do with your life. Man, listen, it's, it's amazing. When you put your, your life in God's hands, where he can take you and what he can do. And what a testimony. And may we all think today of someone who needs to be told, I love you and you're beautiful. Somebody needs that today in your family. And uh, encourage someone today. Well, let's, let's, let's go to the word of God, shall we? It is time to, to determine how we are going to be refreshed today. Let me begin with this. In a day where we live in uh, a day of technology, phones, computers, and all of this, all of this is to save time. In a day where we've been given all of these devices to help us to save time, why does it seem that so many people are still hurried, if not more hurried and more restless? You know, we have a discipleship program here at Gospel Light that I love with all of my heart. I enjoy meeting with my men every other week in my office, and four of us are going through uh, this applying the gospel that our our staff wrote for our church, and it's just so good. If you're a part of a discipleship team, I encourage you to meet faithfully, and if you, uh, for whatever reason, are not meeting faithfully, I encourage you to contact our small group pastor and just help to navigate your way through how you can get plugged into discipleship. It's exciting. I was reading... In chapter 4 of the discipleship packet, Applying the Gospel, and it's entitled Work and Rest. And as I was reading this this week, just for extra information, I came across when technology began to take off at the end of the 20th century, it was thought that it would help us save time. But in reality, it has allowed us to take work with us and fill up every minute of our day with work. 75% of us sleep next to our phones. 90% of us check our phones immediately upon waking up. We filled our entire day with music and text and entertainment and social media and and such time-filling activities. And there's so much more. But I, I think that's exactly true. If the computer was meant to save time, if our phones were meant, our smartphones were meant to save time, if, if emails are meant to save time, if all of these are designed to save time, then why are we so behind time? Why are we so restless? 
Why are we so hurried? Even today, even on this day, there's so much pressure on the family. And I see it. I see it as I talk to weary parents who are trying to rush around town to do work and drop their kids off and pick their kids up and and somehow find a way to get the family around the dinner table and just have a meal together maybe once or twice a week. So many restless homes, so many restless marriages, so many restless students today. And yet God has given us a recipe. God has given us a solution for this. This is so refreshing. We're going to learn something very refreshing today if you'll pay attention. Does God have a cure for restlessness? The answer is yes. So let's learn about a day. A day that God says is part of this cure for restlessness. And could it be that this rest day is actually the best day? Could it be that? Well, let's look at what the Bible says here as we go to the Old Testament for a moment and begin to look at how God gave his ancient people, the Jewish nation, a wonderful gift. Here it is in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days, Exodus 20, verse 9, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day, that's a Sabbath day to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work you your son, your daughter, your male servant, female servant, livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is. And he rested. He rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. What a gift God gave to his people. It was a wonderful gift and it was called the Sabbath day. But what's interesting is what Jesus told us. He told us something in Mark in chapter number 2 and verse 27 that this Sabbath, it was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And all of the commandments of God were made for us. Think about this for just a moment. Think about it. When we honor the Lord, when we do the right thing, when we honor God, it doesn't make him any more holy. But it does make us more holy. Because God's laws are for our welfare. All of them are for our good. God's laws have been given to us for for our benefit. And the Old Testament Sabbath was given to Israel to benefit them. It was given to Israel as a wonderful gift. And God has given to us something even better than that. And we call it the Lord's Day. It's the transformation of the Sabbath into something even more wonderful. It is actually a fulfillment of the Sabbath. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later on in the message. So you and I, as families, and this is our first note. We have been given a day. It's a gift. And if you'll use it properly, and if you'll enjoy it as you should, it will be one of the richest treasures in your treasure chest of family values. And I want to go on record as saying that my experience of living this out and and my experience of trying to practice some of the principles that we'll eventually get to at the end of the message, it's not a a lengthy message, but once we get through our Bible study and our, our theological discussion about this day, we're going to give you some very practical things. So be encouraged. 
Always end on, a, on something that we can take with us and leave with us. And ultimately, I'd like to add value. I want to add value to this day. I want, I want you to be refreshed about this day that we now call the Lord's Day. Now, the very word Sabbath means rest. And just knowing that is helpful. Sabbath means rest. And so there's three primary rest days. And the first one, I want you to jot this down. The first rest day is this. First of all, there is creation rest. Remember when God created the world, he did it in six days. And on the seventh day, when he finished, the Bible says he, he rested. God, it's just, a, it's just cool to me. Weird things kind of just make me smile. I just can see God saying, okay, let's let's rest a while. Let's just kick back and just enjoy it. And here it is in Genesis chapter number 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were were finished, and all of the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he, God, rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And so God blessed God the seventh day, and he made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God made it all in six days, and then God rested. But listen to this. God's rest had been disturbed. And what was it that disturbed God's rest? What put God back to work? Sin. Sin put God back to work. Look at this in John chapter 5. Jesus had just healed a man on the Sabbath day. I mean, how, how, how could he, right? He heals a man on the Sabbath day, the day of rest. And what the Pharisees did is they condemned him for working on the Sabbath day. And this is what Jesus said in John chapter number 5 and verse 17. My father is working until now. And I am working. Jesus said that. Jesus' rest had been disturbed. The rest of God's first creation had been disturbed. So there is creation rest. Secondly, there is covenant rest. Creation rest uh, pertains to God Almighty, but covenant rest pertains to the nation of Israel. When God had A special people, he called them the Jews, or we called them the Jews, and God gave them a special day, and it was a very special day of rest. It was the last day of the week. Notice it with me in Exodus chapter number 31 as we continue to seek to be refreshed by this this morning. He says in verse 13 that you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, notice this covenant, above all you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign, and it's a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Now, notice in verse 16, therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day, and I love this because Here is our sermon series theme, and was refreshed. God gave the Old Testament seventh-day Sabbath as a covenant to the Jews. 
It was a covenant between God and the children of Israel. Now, what's interesting, and you may have come across this in your dealings and in, in, in conversations with people of other denominations or other people, they, uh, there are people today who say that they want to keep the Sabbath just like it was in the Old Testament. They want to keep the Sabbath exactly like the people in the Old Testament kept the Sabbath. And, and my admonition to all of us would be very, be very careful about that. Very, very careful. Because to break the Old Testament Sabbath meant sudden death. Let me show you and give you an example real quick in Exodus chapter number 31 and verse 15. It's on the screen as, as well as in your Bibles here. You can turn if you'd like. Six days shall work be done. Follow this. But the seventh day, that's a Sabbath day. It's a solemn rest. Holy to the Lord. Listen to this. Listen. Whoever. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. The Old Testament penalty for breaking the Sabbath day was death. If you did any work, if you started a fire on the Sabbath day, you would be put to death. For instance, Exodus chapter number 35, beginning in verse number 2. Again, six words, days, work shall be done. But on the seventh day, that's a day of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work shall be put to death. For example, if you kindle a fire, you shall kindle no fire at all. In all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. So if you say, I'm going to keep the Old Testament Sabbath just like the people in the Old Testament did you have a lot of potential trouble on your hands. If you got in your car today and you started it up and you fired it up and those cylinders got rolling and, and, and kicked in and you started a fire when you started that truck. <laughs> if, if you turned on your thermostat yesterday and, and that thermostat has something called a furnace, right? And that furnace goes on, guess what? That furnace, when it went on, started a fire. You see... It wasn't just a fire that they couldn't start. The Jews ultimately added 1,500 ways that you could break the Sabbath. They added to the Word of God. That's what Jesus meant when he said in the book of Matthew, chapter 15, verse 3, why do you break the commandments of God for the sake of your tradition? So often we get, we get tied up in and when we get involved in things that are extra biblical, we begin to add to the Word of God and make things that are non-essential, essential. And we begin to teach and preach them to even congregations at times. And denominations can become very legalistic and forget about love. And, and, and I, I've experienced this myself. Mark chapter 7 and verse 8 says, You leave the commandment of God and you hold to the tradition of men. Church, they added all kinds of ridiculous things. I remember going over to Israel, and one of the most interesting parts of being there was being there on the Sabbath, on the Sabbat. You'd come to a hotel that would have an elevator that would go up for tourists, and then you'd have an elevator that would be used for those who obeyed the Sabbath, the Old Testament Sabbath. Our elevator, you could go in and press the floor you wanted to go to and go straight to that floor. Their elevator, you couldn't press the button. It had to stop on every floor because if you pressed the button, that was work. And so you had to just, if you lived on the 15th floor, you had to go one, stop, 
two, stop. Three, stop. If you got a tack in your shoe, you better not take it out. On Friday night or on Saturday because that's work. If you got a flea on you, don't kill the flea because that's hunting and that's work. And I understand you may be thinking, this is so silly. One of the things they hated about Jesus, and this is what they said about him, they hated him for this. They said, you have broken the Sabbath. And they hated Jesus because of that. So there's creation rest. And that's when God created the world, he rested. There was covenant rest. And that's God gave the Sabbath to Israel to be a blessing to them. But they made it a burden instead of it being a blessing. Now, finally, and here's where the message somewhat transitions and helps us to begin to understand what this day means for us. We're going to call it not creation rest or covenant rest, but Calvary rest. This is how we apply the command to us today. Because the Old Testament Sabbath, as were all of the Old Testament ceremonies, they were all prophecies. They pointed to something even more wonderful. That's the beautiful thing about the Bible is all of it points to something so much more wonderful. Don't miss the wonderful. In fact, his name is wonderful. His name is Jesus. And everything in the Bible points to Jesus. That's why every song we sing in church needs to point to Jesus. Every message we preach needs to point to Jesus. Every witness we we have needs to point to Jesus. But so many miss Jesus. When did God rest after his first creation? When did Jesus rest? He rested after his new creation. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, the Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, guess what? If you are in Christ, you're a new creation. How amazing is that? Jesus said, I must finish the work that God sent me to do. What does that mean? Jesus came to work. Jesus came to labor. Why did he come to work? He came because he wanted to create a new creation. And when Jesus bowed his head on the cross and died, what did he say? He said, it is finished. My work is done. Calvary rest begins. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 in verse number 12. But when Christ had offered for all time, a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down on the right hand of God. He rested. He did his work. It is finished. Now he is sitting down and he's resting from his work. Oh, I want to share with you something that was, I think this will really, really bless you as it blessed me. Pay close attention to Colossians in chapter number 2. And this is going to, I think, encourage you. But we're going to read five verses in Colossians and and understand more about what this Calvary rest is all about and how it came about and the price that Jesus paid so that we could experience that same rest. In verse 13, look at it. It's talking about you. It's talking about me and you who were dead in your trespasses, all of us were dead without Christ. And the uncircumcision of your flesh were all sinners. God made alive together with him. It's a wonderful thought to think that when Jesus rose again, that we too rose with him. Having forgiven us 
all our trespasses. Glory to God, we were dead. That verse tells us what? We were dead, now we're alive. We were sinners, now we are forgiven. Here's what else God did. Not only that, he didn't just do that, but he did this. He canceled the record of debt that stood against us with, our, with its legal demands. And then he set it aside, he nailed it to the cross. Good news, church, our sin debt has been paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That is good news. Look at verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. He put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Now pay closer attention. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food, in questions of drink, or maybe in regard to a, a festival or a or new moon or, or Sabbath. These. These are just a shadow of things to come. Coming events cast a shadow before them. And the Sabbath days were a shadow of things to come, much like the shadow on this platform. This is me. This is my body. That is my shadow. And it follows me. It's there. And I I can chase that shadow and I'll never catch it. Kind of like a, you ever seen a dog chase the shadow of a bird? It's a crazy thing. Sometimes my dog, my little old dog will do that in the front yard. It'll just run around forever, just wear itself out. Chasing shadows. Those who are still trying to keep the covenant Sabbath, the Old Testament Sabbath, are simply chasing shadows. Jesus is the body. The Old Testament Sabbath was just a shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. That's what he meant in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, when he said himself, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What Jesus is saying, church, is this. I am your rest. Jesus is our rest. He's made a new creation, and he's sitting down at the right hand of the Father, and and this is Calvary rest. This is why we celebrate the first day of the week. This is why we do it, because Jesus came out of the grave on the first day of the week. It's called in the Bible, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, it's called the Lord's Day. You'll never hear the Sabbath called the Lord's Day, at least the Old Testament covenant Sabbath was never called the Lord's Day. But the new creation Calvary Sabbath is called the Lord's Day. Let me give you five or nine facts in Scripture about this day, this, this Lord's Day, this first day of the week. Quickly, we'll go through them. Some I have Scriptures and others just supporting text that I'll give you. Jesus rose from the dead, number one, on the first day of the week. Mark 16, verse 9. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, Jesus met with his disciples after the resurrection. He met with them on the first day of the week. You can check it out in Mark chapter 16, verses 11 and following. Jesus met with them eight days. He met with the disciples eight days later on the first day of the week. John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace, be still. They were commissioned to preach the gospel on the first day of the week. John chapter 20 and verse number 
21, Jesus said, Peace be with you as the Father hath sent me, even so I'm sending you. The Holy Spirit was given to them on the first day of the week. John 20 and verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the church of the Lord was born on the first day of the week, Sunday. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. The book of Revelation was given on the first day of the week. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. The early church met for worship on the first day of the week. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. On the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul preached to them. And on the first day of the week, they took their offerings like we just did. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2, on the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. Wow. Our Lord has taken the Old Testament Sabbath and he has what? He's fulfilled it. He has transformed it. There was creation rest. There is covenant rest. But praise God, hallelujah, glory to God, amen, for Calvary rest. Church, there's a big difference. The creation rest speaks of the finished work of creation, but the Calvary rest speaks of the finished work of redemption. The first deals with the natural life, but the next one deals with supernatural life. The first dealt with life in Adam, but the second deals with life in Christ. The first commemorates the works of his hands, but the second commemorates the work of his heart. The first was a display of God's power, but the second was a display of God's grace. The first was given to Israel, but this was given to the church. The first was a day of law, but this is a day of love. And those who keep on insisting that the Old Testament covenant rest is what they want to follow, church, listen, they're on the wrong side of Calvary chasing shadows. But if we are to keep some of these Old Testament laws, then, then how do we keep this one? How do we keep the Lord's Day? What, what are the laws? What are the regulations of keeping this first day of the week? Well, here's something I can tell you. I cannot give you any rules and I cannot give you any regulations because the Bible doesn't give any. And because the Bible doesn't give any rules about how to keep this day, I, I, I don't really have any rules either. This is a day of love, not legalism. But oftentimes, I'm asked the question, I mean, throughout the 29 years of pastoring this church, I've often been asked questions like, hey, pastor, what, are your, what, are you, what is your position on, on the Lord's Day? You know, should, should we go out and eat on the Lord's Day? Should we golf on the Lord's Day? Should we play ball on the Lord's Day? Should we go fishing on the Lord's Day? Should we get in a boat on the Lord's Day? Should, should we, you know, uh, eat out or go to a ball game? I mean, those are good questions, really good questions. The problem is... You're asking the wrong person because it's not my day. It's the Lord's day. So you need to ask him. Just ask him this. How can I honor you on this day? God, how can I on this day give you glory with my life? How can I on this day give you reverence? Listen, yes, every day is a holy day. And I'm already there. I get it. Somebody might be thinking, well, wait a minute. We're not just supposed to give God reverence and honor on, on just the Lord. Well, I get it. I, we, every day is the Lord's day. But this is a special day. 
Just like we talk about prayer, prayer without ceasing. I get it. We should pray all the time. But Jesus said himself, when you go into your prayer, when you pray, go into your closet and pray. To me, that's, that's extra special. We know that everything belongs to God. I mean, Jeremy got up here a moment ago, and we know that. I mean, we could argue with Jeremy and say, yeah, Jeremy, I think, you know, I mean, it, it all belongs to the Lord. Yeah, but giving on Sundays is a special day to give. It's special. It's more intentional. So let me give you real quickly three principles. This is where it gets practical. And this is where I go just to the bottom shelf and and give you some things that that have applied to, 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 I believe, to churches for generations, but we have forgotten these things. These things have been shelved when it comes to the Lord's Day. Number one, let me give you three principles to be refreshed and blessed on the day of rest. Pretty good, huh? Anyway, I came up with that one. <laughs> kind of felt good about it. Number one, make the Lord's Day a holy day. You know, take time on the Lord's Day to be holy and worship the Lord. The Bible commands all New Testament believers to come together corporately and worship. We find that in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 where he says, not neglecting, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. When do we do this? When do we not neglect to come together? We do it on Sunday. That's when we do it, just like they did it in the early church in the book of Acts. One of the best things, and I don't want you to miss this, and I want to say this because it has become so dear to me. But one of, and I want to say this especially to dads or, or those who are leading their homes. One of the best things I've ever done as a dad is to make church attendance on the Lord's Day a regular habit in my home. There's never been a question in all the years of me being a dad ever where it's ever been a question. Nobody's ever raised their hands. Nobody's ever asked the question, are we going to church tomorrow? No one's ever asked, Dad, you know, do we have to get up? Can we sleep? It's just this has been a treasure in my treasure chest of family values, top five by far, I would say. I mean, maybe top three. This has just been so near and dear to my heart that I'm preaching out of the overflow this morning. This is, this is so special to me. This is so refreshing. This day has become so important to me that I'm telling you and trying to convince you that this is a gift from God, and this is a super special day. And we ought to be passing this kind of thing on to our children. In Psalm chapter 145 and verse 4, one generation shall commend your acts to another and they shall declare your mighty acts. We have a responsibility to pass the mighty acts of God and his goodness to the next generation. And one way we can do that is by coming to church on the Lord's Day. I love Isaiah 38 verse 19. The father, the father makes known to the children your faithfulness. Dads, dads, listen, make church attendance a high priority. Make it a high priority. More important than your work day on Monday is your worship day on Sunday. I wonder sometimes what God thinks. Some of the things that we try to skip church for, I wonder if we tried that on our boss on Monday. Well, I didn't come in today because I had some unexpected company. I don't know. How would that work? 
I just decided, what did you miss today? Well, I just decided to sleep in. I hear that one some. We sure missed you this Sunday. Well, we just all decided to go to the lake. I'm just asking, would that work at your Monday job? What we are doing today is important. This is important. This is important. What are we saying to our children by being here today? What message are we passing on even to this community by being together corporately worshiping and giving God glory and putting him first today on this first day of the week? I'd like to just share with you several ways that we can teach our children how to love the Lord's Day. And these are just extra notes. Number one, we can teach them by preparing to come to church with anticipation. I mean, listen, you know, the evening and the morning were the first day. Isn't that what it says? So I start preparing for the Lord's Day on the evening before the morning. Now, I know I'm getting older. I know that. And believe me, I don't need you to remind me. Last night when they asked me if I wanted to go to that concert in Little Rock, I, without even thinking about it, I said, no. I found out when they're getting back, I said, I've passed that age right there, you know. I used to do it all the time. I'd drive the bus, go to Little Rock, go to Winter Jam, get back at, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning and be fired up at church. Man, listen, the evening and the morning. <laughs> so last night I got home, and before it, the sun went down, and I got a few things done, but then I, I just found myself, and my wife too, just plopped down on the couch and not feeling guilty about it. It was awesome. We were watching Laney and MJ last night so that Mo and Seuss could go with the teens to the concert there in Benton to that, what's it called? Amplify. Fantastic, I'm sure. And we just kind of rest, settled down in that couch, and I, I don't know where my phone was. I didn't care. I was just sitting there with Laney. We were talking about, you know, what she wanted for Christmas. What, like, what, that's the only subject she wants to talk about is what she wants for Christmas. One hour of what she wants for Christmas. I've got a lot of work to do. I've got to skim that down some. But anyway, we just had fun. We talked. MJ ended up falling asleep on the couch. That was a blessing. Oh, if you know MJ, you know what I'm talking about. Whew, we really got to rest when he finally fell asleep. And we just, in fact, I, I said to Caroline, I said, Connie, it's funny. I said, hey, come over here and sit with me. And I was going to see if I could get her to get me a foot massage. You know, that's just inside joke. You know, she, she's really good at foot massage. She said, I'm resting. I don't want to give you a foot massage right now. I said, okay. I couldn't get her to move. She was just buried in that couch. Just, I think she kind of fell asleep a little bit to, what's that show? Coco Melon. Oh. We watched Coco Melon last night for two hours. Some watch Fox News. We watch Coco Melon. Basically teaches you how to go potty. It's really interesting. But anyway... <laughs> We just rested. We laughed. We had fun. And then I got to my closet and I put my church clothes out. I love, I picked this out, picked this vest out. I thought it goes good with And then I had a hard time with the shirt though. I kind of had six or seven shirts that really would have gone well with this. You say, Pastor, why are you telling us all this? It's the Lord's Day. I like getting ready, man. I, I, put, I put my stuff on. I'm not saying you have to wear this. You wear a T-shirt. But just, I just, I love, I love just getting ready. Just, I had it all out. They want to rush in the morning. I want to take it easy. Just enjoy myself. I like to anticipate uh, Sundays by making sure the Bibles are all ready to go and making sure the offering is ready to give. Hey, guys, you got your offering ready? Everybody got their offering ready for tomorrow? 
You see, this seems like you're putting so much emphasis on it. You're right. I am. And it's refreshing. Be positive about church. This is another way we can teach our children to love church. Be positive about church. Don't have roast preacher for lunch. <laughs> or roast small group leader. Or roast worship leader. Or singer. Or, I mean, look, be positive. I, don't, I hope my kids have never, ever heard me say one negative thing about the preacher to them. Because <laughs> I'm the preacher. <laughs> That'd be really weird. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just simply saying, I think being positive about church helps to... To, to, to create a love for the Lord's Day. And then singing at church. I mean, just singing. Just, you know, when our kids see us sing and worship, and then get us a study Bible for each child and, and take notes. And these are just some of the things I wrote down. Number two, not only make the Lord's Day a holy day, make the Lord's Day a healthy day. Rest on the Lord's Day. Are you ready for this? You're going to love this. If you're sleeping, wake up. I got some news. Take a nap on the Lord's Day, a second one. You've already taken the first one in the service. Take a second one when you get home. Take a nap. Don't feel bad about it. Listen, at our house, the kids know. I'm wound up. I'm ready to go. Get home, have fun, do puzzles, play, whatever, the whole nine yards. But at some point, I disappear. And they're like, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Where's Pops? Where's Papa? Where's Dad? Where's he at? Sometimes I hear my name in the distance. Papa, Papa, Papa. <laughs> honey, honey, honey. I'm just, I'm out in left field. I'm already dreaming. I'm seeing the lilies in this field. I'm out there. I'm gone. I haven't taken a nap all week, but I'm not missing my Sunday nap. You understand me? I love it. I just fall asleep. I, I don't need much. Maybe, I don't know. I think I, I, 20, 30 minutes probably is all I, I, but that's all I need. Just, just. Just to know that I, I took some time. Listen, you'll do more in six days if you'll learn to rest than you will in seven days without resting. So take time. By the way, the same principle applies to your finances. The 90% will go farther than the 100% if you give God your tithe. It's the same thing. Number three, make the Lord's day a happy day. Make it a happy day. A holy day, a healthy day, and a happy day. You know what I believe about Sundays, church? I believe Sundays ought to be the happiest day of the week. I do. Now, I like, I like to be happy every day. I've got a good attitude most days. Every now and then I, I kind of get off kilter and need some help. But most, most days I, I'm, I'm decently happy. But on Sundays, I'm hard to handle. I'm, I, I'm good to be around on Sundays. It's going to be fun. We're going to laugh. We're going to play. We're going to have fun. We're going to talk. It gets loud in our house, maybe partly because there's like 23 people over there. If they would just quit having babies. Babies coming everywhere, man. I mean, good night. It used to be eight, nine, and then they get married and have kids, 15, 20. Crazy around our house. Loud people, kids running and laughing and playing. Papa, let's do puzzles. I want gummy bears. Sundays, they can have all the gummy bears they want. Mom can deal with them on Monday. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm Papa. I give gummy bears out. Come to my house, you can get gummy bears. Hallelujah. We have fun, laugh, and play, and enjoy the Lord's Day. Sunday dinner at our house. Listen, I, I'm just saying this tongue-in-cheek, totally tongue-in-cheek. Trust me. I'm, I do feel like it's worth saying, though. Whatever happened to old-fashioned Sunday dinner? That's all I'm going to say. Just like that. And I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm just saying she's gone. She's disappeared. 
But at our house, it means so much to me to have Sunday dinner together. I just love it. I'm not suggesting you have to, you know, roll out the red carpet, but just, just, just have some time together. At our house, we pray around the table. Now, they'll tell you. We're not having the dinner until everybody is holding hands around the table. We don't do it Monday through Saturday. I, I don't know why. Maybe we should. We just don't. But on Sundays, it's a special day. We're holding hands. So, Miss Yoshida, where are you at, Michelle? She's washing dishes every time we want to start the prayer. You've got to get this down. We're not starting without Michelle. So, she's washing the dishes. She's amazing. You're amazing. But you've got to come to, to the table because we're starving. You say, are you really preaching at your mother-in-law right now? Yes. I'm starving, and she's in there washing. Anyway, I'm just joking. She's the best. I love you, Michelle. Keep washing them dishes. Just do it after we pray. And uh, <laughs> so we're, we're up there, and, 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 and she's washing. Or maybe Caroline's doing something. And I'll say, girls, I'm telling you, I'll stand here forever. We're, until we're around this table as a family, we're not eating until we pray together. So they get in, and we pray. And sometimes I got grandkids on my shoulders while we're praying. Most of them want to be, can I get on your shoulders when we pray? And I put them on my shoulders, and we got to hold hands, and Jules love, you know, Jules, will, she'll hold hands, and MJ, I'll hold hands, I want to hold hands, I want to hold hands. Listen, when I'm dead and gone, I want one of the things that my kids and grandkids say about me is, man, Sundays were special for Papa. He loved Sundays. He loved them. He, he loved life, but man, he loved life more on Sundays. Make Sundays a holy day. Make Sundays a healthy day. Make the Lord's day a happy day. But all of this, all of this has to have one truth behind it. And here's my closing thought, and that is this. Jesus is your rest. Jesus. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 again. Come to me, all ye who are who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you. Jesus says, I will give you rest. Let's break that down for a moment. Just for a moment as the worship team prepares. First of all, he says, come. Come. Guess what? It's your move first. He says, come. Come to me. Come. Come on. Come. And then he says, let's look at this next word, to me. I think it's, it's important for us to, 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 to recognize here that he doesn't say, come to pastor. Come to your pastor for rest. He doesn't say, come to the church for rest. He doesn't say, come to a counselor for rest. Nothing wrong with those people in those places, but he says, come to me. I am your rest, Jesus says. And then notice the word rest. Come to me and I'll give you rest I'll give you this Calvary rest oh I want to I want to I want to forgive your sins and I want you to be alive in me I want you to pass from death to life and I want to give you rest if you've never experienced the rest of salvation knowing that your sins are forgiven that they've been paid for that there's nothing you can do it's not by works of righteousness which you have done but it's according to Jesus and his righteousness that we're saved. If you've never experienced that, then this morning, I would encourage you to find rest in the grace of God and his forgiveness.
if you've been saved and you've experienced the rest of salvation and his grace and you've accepted him by faith and I would encourage you today as we have this a little different response time that you would take time just to rest in Christ to lay your burdens at his feet and to stand and as we're dismissed and smile and just say God my life is yours I'm just going to trust you you know what I think we do way too much of we do way too much trying and not enough trusting we try to fix it we try to solve it work ourselves to death and then at the end of the day we realize if only I had just trusted quit trying and start trusting I'd like to close by turning the service over to our worship pastor And I've asked him just to finish our service while we're sitting down. It's easier to rest when you're sitting down. So just rest.